You're listening to a download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number 370. Hello and welcome back to yet another scintillating podcast from the Outdoor Station with me, your host, Bob Cartwright. Now, there have been quite a few things that have been happening since uh, my last podcast, the one with uh, Warren and Esther, the -the round-the-world cyclists. And I'd like to touch on some of these before we get into conversation with Track Bags. Um, Track Bags, a new and -and up-and-coming name in the UK outdoor manufacturing world. More of that later. So, first, I'd like to start off, though, with a big thank you. And that goes out to all the people who came to our first outdoor show at Backpacking Light Headquarters in Malvern at the end of April 2014. We were really thrilled to have so many people there. Um, We just didn't know who was going to come. And uh, more importantly, we had obviously invited all the brands to come along as well. And they were asking how many people are coming. Well, we were a little bit um, apprehensive that uh, there wouldn't be that many. And in the end, we were totally gobsmacked to have over 500 people. Um, And they themselves were shocked that there was a queue at the door, uh, plus a full car park, um, what, half an hour or so before we opened. And that uh, during the day, they didn't have time to take a break. Um, They actually really, really, really enjoyed it. We even had people arriving at 7.30 as I was putting the tents up looking for a bacon sarnie and a coffee. Now, all the brands uh, wanted me to pass on their appreciation, and I do mean that. They all actually said um, to really pass on their thanks and say how much they enjoyed chatting to you all. Um, In particular, uh, they all said what they enjoyed was the fact they got direct feedback with some very knowledgeable uh, and experienced end users and I'm not sure what some of you said but uh, they tell me a few of the comments have already been fed back direct to the product designers so you never know you could have influenced um, the future Uh, it was a bit hair raising for me or for all of us really uh, at the start frustratingly and I'm I'm sure most people who were there realise this But just as we opened the doors, all the car terminals decided to go down for an hour, causing a slight bit of stress, to say the least, uh, and a bit of a queue. So um, thankfully, Beth and Rose did their best to keep everybody informed, and I really appreciate those who who just uh, understood the situation. Uh, And thankfully, uh, it didn't take too long to get it back up and running, but it was, um, as I say, a little bit stressful at the time. The uh, the other unexpected um, change in things was the weather. Really, um, it had been well. The weather's been great a few days beforehand and a few days afterwards, um, but it was a bit of a challenge on the day with the uh, sort of sunshine and showers and the, and the high winds, uh, which meant having all the brands crammed into the hall, uh, which was warm and cosy, which was good. But I had hoped people would spread out a bit more. However, on the positive side, people got to see all the display tents tested in real world conditions. If you did come, you know that we did um, free tea and coffee and drinks during the day, uh, along with a wide selection of cakes and buns, uh, which uh, the family, Rose, Beth and Naomi, had uh, furiously been baking a few days before. And I think they went down quite well from, from from what I heard. I'm lucky not to have a sweet tooth because, honestly, I'd be the size of a house. They do make exceedingly good cakes. Uh, and if uh, and if I ate them, I'd be as fat as a pig. 
However, we were offering the cakes in return for a small donation of your choice, um, which we were uh, collecting for our chosen charity on the day, which was Mountain Rescue. Now, a tad under £170 was raised, and so we've topped that up to 200 and we're splitting it between uh, North and South in the UK for the Mountain Rescue. So the Mountain Rescue in Scotland and the one in the UK, Wales as well. In the evening, one of our customers, Peter Milner, uh, very kindly put on a talk at the campsite uh, about life in the Antarctic, uh, which we managed to catch most of after clearing up. And it was fascinating to hear about life at minus 30 degrees and what the guys do for self-made entertainment. Wonderful, wonderful pictures. So if you ever get a chance to um, uh, visit a talk by Peter Milner, do uh, do make a, a point of, of going. And a big thanks to you once again, Peter. So all in all, thanks again, everybody. Brilliant effort. Thanks for coming. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and if you wonder what you missed and you couldn't make it, you'll find uh, a link to the video on the Backpacking Light Outdoors show page or, of course, on the Outdoors channel, uh, sorry, the Outdoors Station YouTube channel. Okay, on to another small thank you, actually. Um, If you've visited the Outdoor Station website, you may have noticed a tab at the top entitled Advertising and Support. And there's blurb there, of course, for people interested in sponsoring or advertising or or whatever. Um, But there's also a a PayPal link uh, for those listeners, or anybody really, who wish to make a donation towards our running costs. Uh, Because, as you can imagine, over, what, 360 podcasts is an awful lot of data uh, and we're getting, on average, I don't know, about four and a half thousand to five thousand downloads, approximately a day. Um, that's an lo- awful lot of um, bandwidth, uh, and it's and it's not cheap. But um, over the years, we've had a few people um, give us a donation, uh, and last week I had a lovely note from uh, Mark Hendry in County Durham. So I'd just like to read this to you, and I hope he doesn't mind. Hi, Bob. I wanted to make a small donation to help with your running costs. The back catalogue of podcasts is a fantastic resource, and I look forward to each new podcast you release. Always inspiring, entertaining and interesting, no matter the subject matter. My particular favourites are the TGO Challenge, uh, the Cape Wrath Trail and the Three Men in a Cairngorm series, which have inspired me to undertake several walks on my own in these areas recently. Sincere thanks, as I can only imagine the effort that goes into producing these podcasts, and please keep up the great work. Mark, thank you so much. That's a really nice thing to do. Um, It's greatly appreciated, and your feedback in particular is appreciated. So I'm really glad that the, uh, the podcasts are hitting a spot for you, and hopefully they will continue to do so for some time to come. Uh, finally, talking of feedback, um, just a very, very brief one. I really are getting some comments from people now that they're changing their listening habits, how they listen to these podcasts, or podcasts in general, not just mine, uh, whether they're streaming them um, live because the technology now allows you to do that with your phone or rather than downloading them and, and put them on your MP3 players and so on. I would be really grateful if people could perhaps, um, if it's you know, if you could take two minutes just to drop me a quick email and just tell me if that's something that's true. If you're 
listening to streamed content as opposed to downloaded. Um, and also, you know, if you're veering towards spending a lot more time watching uh, the videos as well, uh, because obviously the smart TVs and the new technology there is indicating that people are actually spending a lot more time um, watching that sort of content that's really of interest to them. So if you could drop me a quick email just to, to let me know if this was the case. I mean, we get about, uh, every time I release a new podcast, we get between four and 5,000 downloads on that particular one within 24 hours. So we know you guys are, are regular listeners uh, and you like to top up with uh, the stuff if we, as we produce it. Uh, so if you could just give me an idea of where you are in the world, um, how you're absorbing the information, uh, any particular area that you'd like to hear or see more of, you know, trips, uh, real world trips, as it were, as opposed to gear reviews and that sort of thing, that would be really great. Um, the email address is, of course, info at theoutdoorsstation.co.uk. But of course, you can find that on the website as well. OK, so let's now move on to the main interview here with Alec Farmer, the founder of Track Bags in Glasgow. Now, it's a brand name probably unknown, I suspect, to backpackers generally, but I'm guessing the cycling community might be aware of the name and possibly maybe the bushcrafters too. What is great to see is a new brand with products being designed and actually made in the UK. So for those of us completely new to the name, I asked Alec to start by introducing himself. My name's Alec Farmer and I run um, Track in Glasgow. Uh, we're an outdoor lifestyle brand making uh, bags, backpacks, messenger bags uh, for the outdoor lifestyle. Now, you've, you've come to this at a fairly early age, I understand. I have, yeah. I'm 25 and I started track in 2010, so four years ago now. Um, and it's been progressing ever since, really. So was it something that came out of um, a background or a family background in, in manufacturing or, or sewing or design or anything? Sort of a mixture. Um, I come from quite a creative family uh, and then I studied graphic design at the Glasgow School of Art. And while I was there, I think I got a little bit bored of sitting in front of computers all the time. So I wanted a, a side project to occupy me in the, in the long summer holidays and just got around to making bags with a friend. Um, and one thing led to the other. And now we're here today, really. So to describe your brand then to people who've never heard the name before, would you like to just give us um, the, the feel of the, of the products that you produce? We produce uh, backpacks and messenger bags, and we try to make them beautiful and functional. So they should be functional on the hill, um, great for cycling, things like that, but also perfect for taking to the office, walking around the city, uh, if you're a little bit of a fashionista, they've maybe got a slightly trendy edge to them as well. So would you say that your products are more um, urban-based design products with func with outdoor functionality as opposed to, uh, obviously, listeners might be assuming that when you're making bags, we're talking about lightweight rucksacks? No, yeah, we're certainly not making lightweight rucksacks. Uh, we design, I suppose we design stuff, um, yeah, for urban lifestyle, but... Uh, no, that's not true. We design stuff for outdoor lifestyles, but we're not really aiming to please the sort of performance fetishists, the people who are gram counting 
or uh, looking for the, the best in performance. Um, we're designing great all-round packs. And would you place your your business um, size at the moment in the sort of cottage industry sort of uh, formula, or would you say you're a bit bigger than that? What sort of number of people have you got? Where are you sort of in the manufacturing world? We're definitely a cottage industry at the moment. Uh, there are at the moment there's myself uh, I've got two machinists working in the workshop and um, a group of other people most of whom are friends who come and help out time to time uh, to give us a hand that's what friends are for that's what friends are for <laughs> so if people are listening to this and obviously want to check you out as we as we talk which I think they probably will do uh, if they looked on your website which is track.co.uk but spell it T-R-A-K-K-E .co.uk you'll see what we're talking about um and as the story unfolds so you're um you started this sort of uh, four or five years ago you're mid-20s now it's a big step isn't it to to go from doodling with with ideas to actually you know the, the whole commercial process so how did you how did you get started well we've grown in a very organic way when, when we started out we were students at university and basically had no money at all so we used to head out at the weekends on our bikes and cycle around all the industrial estates in Glasgow and basically steal uh, materials from skips uh, that were unwanted or discarded and things like that. We used to cut up old sofas and suitcases and sort of harvest the buckles and usable fabrics off them and turn them into bags, uh, which we used to sell sort of in a local market in the east end of Glasgow. Um, and as we did that, we began to gather sort of a little following of people who liked what we were doing. And it was clear that maybe it had some legs. So we began to develop the product and, and started making things out of new materials as well, things like Cordura. Um, but in the end, really, I got to the point where I'm, I was really passionate about manufacturing in the UK. But I wanted to make a product that I could really be proud of in the UK as well. And I didn't really feel like those synthesized fabrics and things were really the right materials to be using. So I really changed the entire palette of materials and started using uh, British made fabrics, things like waxed cotton, um, a bit of Harris tweed, using stainless steel buckles and um, high quality webbing that's, that's all made in the UK. It's a, an interesting journey in it, where you've got to at the moment then. So take us through your, your thought process as you went from um, this sort of recycled um, ethos, this recycled experience you had, because obviously it was a shoestring, presumably, doing it on a sewing machine at home. How did you get the next step? How did you actually start getting more commercial? Was it, you know, were you just lucky to have a lot of demand for the products? Um, not not really. I think, um, to be honest, I'm in no way a businessman. You know, I'm, I'm a trained graphic designer. And um, so really, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and to a large extent, still don't. Um, but I kind of see that as a good thing because I've come into the industry maybe as a bit of an outsider and I'm just slowly trying sort of at every step we try and develop a little bit more. So as we get a little bit more money, we use better materials. And as we get a bit more knowledge, we can refine uh, the way we sell. So I suppose it's really happened very slowly and very organically. And I think if you were a businessman looking into our business, we maybe haven't um, taken all the steps that you would expect. Um, it's been kind of very organic in that sense. Um, really, I've just been focused on every 
you know, just trying to develop continuously. So I'm always focusing on trying to improve our designs, uh, trying to improve our websites, improve our customer service. Um, and, you know, as I learn new things and as I get advice from different people, I'm able to do that slowly but surely. Yes, I mean, I think I can agree with you. Running a business these days, I don't think people realise uh, just how much time um, is involved in all the administration, as you say, forward thinking and design and, and preparation and planning. But at the bottom line is you still need to make product to sell it to keep everything else, all the other wheels oiled and going round. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's a full time job, that's for sure. And I think I probably underestimated the amount of work involved. But the, I suppose the beauty of it is that this is what I'm really passionate about. I love uh, bags. I'm a complete geek in that sense. Um, I you know, love the outdoors as well. So to be able to do this every day as my job um, is great. Mm. And well, that's that's good news. Now, you said, um, you know, you've, you were an outsider in the industry, or, or I, I presume you mean you were a newcomer to the industry. By the outside, I think you're probably referring to the sort of the established manufacturing base, which does tend to be designed in this country and, and um, manufactured, obviously, in the Far East. So what sort of help and support have you had um, to get your, your feet under the table, as it were, and, and feel comfortable with um, where the brand uh, has a future in, in this country? Well, it's, I mean, it's been amazing, actually, the reception that I've received from a, a lot of people. I remember when I started track, I did a talk at university um, about some of the things that had in, sort of inspired me that year. And I'd written about um, Patagonia and I was talking about Finisterre, who are a surfing company down in, in Cornwall. I'd been talking about Alpkit and, and the great products that they make. And since, since I, I launched track, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of the people that I was talking about then. So um, I went to chat with the guys at Alpkit down at their workshop and they gave me loads of great advice. Um, I met the guys at, from Finisterre in Germany and, and they're really on the up and are really pioneering the sort of direct sales model um, with online sales as well. Um, so it was brilliant to talk to them. Um, I was lucky enough to talk alongside... Um, Vincent from Patagonia, who has obviously been running Patagonia for a long time, and he really helped me to understand that you can build things to last and that by building things to last, you aren't necessarily committing business suicide, you know. Um, so he was he was a brilliant guy to chat to on that day, and, and that was inspiring to meet him. Um, but I've also had a lot of help from people like Mike Parsons, who um, obviously was Kim Light and Carrie Moore and uh, OMM, um, things like that. He, I mean, he obviously has a, an incredibly in-depth manufacturing background um, and has popped up to Glasgow on a few occasions and we've had a lot of chats about the best way to make things and how to make things more efficiently. So I've been really lucky that there have been people out there who are willing to give up their time um, and knowledge to help me out, which is just fantastic. So what did you find was the biggest change in your perception, in your approach then from uh, after the assistance of, the, of these people? How did you change your mindset or change your, your practical approach to, to manufacturing? Well, I think basically what I realised is that if you're going to manufacture stuff in the UK, it's going to be expensive and therefore it's going to be expensive to sell. So I think before that I've been a bit wary of, of selling things at high prices and um, been a, yeah, a sort of 
a bit nervous about that. Um, but really, they helped me to understand that actually um, it's worth it. British manufacturing is extremely good. Uh, the materials that I'm using are extremely high quality um, and that it's OK to, ch to charge a lot of money for them. And for me, that sort of rang true with my idea that I wanted to build things to last and that I... Um, you know, wanted things to be beautiful because if you're going to pay a lot of money for something, you want to be able to use it all the time um, and you want to really have a sense of, of the provenance and, and things like that. You're listening to The Outdoor Station. Bringing you news, ideas and information about products, people and places. I think there's certainly a lot of truth in what you say. We, we've certainly found the same sort of thing as well. It's You feel almost guilty when you, you look at the, the price tag that you, you need to charge for something uh, because of the, the costs involved in manufacturing it. But thankfully, I think the, uh, the customer base is, uh, is intelligent enough and have done the research themselves to understand that actually the, the value is in the, the finishing and, and the skill, but also um, the cost of the products involved, the cost of the materials involved. It's it's you can't have a Rolls Royce with the price of a Mini, and I think um, you know a lot of people, uh, thankfully, uh, particularly in the outdoors, seem to be aware of that. Exactly. I mean, I think that the key really is to help the customer to understand um, why it's so expensive. So, for example, we have visited our factories and and been and taken loads of photos of the factory and where the items are made. And kind of we've done blog posts and reports about how our materials are made because that helps to un the customer to understand that not only are we making the bag, but there's a group of people in the UK who are highly skilled, who are making incredible fabrics in the UK. And they've been doing so for 150, 200 years. Um, so it's really good. You know, I love that storytelling aspect, aspect of it, being able to tell customers that, your webbing is made in a factory that's been there since 1886 that used to run on water power and things like that. You know, um, I find that really uh, exciting. As a matter of interest, are you finding that um, these suppliers with that type of history and pedigree that you're, you're talking about, are they struggling to get young people into the manufacturing industry where the, from, from their point of view in their factories? Um. I, to be honest, um, I, I couldn't say. I think I think generally speaking in manufacturing in the UK, the skills are uh, really held by the older people. Um, you certainly, over the last few years, you know, it's unappealing for young people to go and work in factories. And I think that's a big problem. And it's certainly a problem for us in that um, we need machinists with a, a really high level of skill. And it's quite hard to find them nowadays. But... Um, what we are trying to do is to kind of rekindle some skills by um, employing younger people ourselves. So we've got quite a young workshop um, and really training them and trying to get them uh, to really take pride in their work and, and try and kind of enjoy the, the sort of um, manufacturing experience again. Hmm, the organic process of of helping something and creating it right through to the end. I mean, where yeah. where are you? What are you finding with with staffing issues regarding? I mean, it's it, sewing is a great skill, and to do it well is is actually. Um, we know from people that ask us all the time about repairing products. Um, 
you know, it's very, very hard to find people these days who have the skills and the tenacity uh, to, to to be able to understand and work with the fabrics that they, they have presented to them. So how are you finding it uh, getting young people into uh, into your business? Well, we're really lucky, actually. In Glasgow, there's a college that uh, has a course that specialises in, in training people to work in the garment industry. So they train people to sew and they give them all that technical knowledge and some of the sort of factory knowledge that they'll need. Um, and so what we've been doing is sort of poaching their best students, really. Um, so the two girls who work for us now both studied there. Um, they came to us fresh out of college um but we've been able to sort of train them and and the work they produce is just fantastic and i think it's good for them as well because they're not in a traditional factory environment they get to do lots of different jobs around the workshop from pattern cutting to uh, finishing the final product uh, and all the stages in between um but also you know our workshop isn't in the middle of an industrial estate somewhere we're quite centrally located in in the city so, you know, uh, it's a nice place for them to be and it's a nice experience for them. Yeah, I mean, that's that's important thing. I think working environment and people's perceptions of, of, of uh, factory lifestyle um, needs to be uh, improved and, uh, and changed to get, as you say, younger people back into the workplace and in that sort of environment. As an aside, do they ever mention how their other compatriots that were at college with them, what they've gone into? Are they, are they, is there plenty of manufacturing jobs that are being taken by these young people? I don't think there are a huge amount of jobs. I think a lot of students go on to try and work in the fashion industry. Um, Certainly one of the things that maybe has stayed in the UK is sort of small-scale sampling of products. So I think um, a lot of younger people maybe go into the fashion houses to to do the sampling and the gold ticket products. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I don't think there's a huge amount of jobs around at the moment. Looking at your your website, it tell, does tell a lovely story. You've obviously taken a lot of time and, and um, a pleasure in actually putting the uh, the images together. You've got a, a lovely uh, well, sequence of images here that uh, that bring the whole story to life. And do you find that's an important part of the education pro- process you were referring to earlier on? Yeah, for me, it's it's all about storytelling. I mean, bear in mind that we um, we sell direct to our customers, so our bags are only available online through our website. And for me, therefore, the the website becomes our shop window. We have to really communicate everything that we're about um, on there. So, you know, I I think it's really important to to tell that story and to tell the story about how we grew and about where our materials are from and how we can do it. I think that a lot of companies um, talk about marketing a lot. And I think that the public generally don't like to be marketed to. Um, but what we do is is we make sure that we've got a really good story to tell and then we tell it. Certainly some of the um, additional information you've got in there is actually does make you think about the... Um uh, the the supporting industries that are supporting you. I was looking at the factory um, images at the moment from the webbing uh, visit that you did on the website. Sure. Uh, and uh, it just reminds you that it's a long process to to get a, a bag made or to get any sort of product made. And it's I think it's important to celebrate all the the various components of the chain. You know, when you look around your um, particular area of interest and you sort of start spreading a bit further, are there any areas that you would like to explore that you feel um, is is right for that sits well in your in your portfolio? 
In terms of products? Well, products and, and general business direction. You know, we all start a business uh, thinking we'll do one thing, but sometimes you get led slightly down a different path, which actually is, is works better for you. Yeah, well, I think that um, at the moment, while we're quite small, I really want to focus on doing what we do, uh, but doing it very well. So I think we'll stick with bags for a little bit longer. Um, I'm keen to get um, some kind of supplementary products into the range, smaller items that complement uh, complement the brand. Um, I think longer term, I'm desperate to make a Ventile smock. Um, I really, I, I've fallen in love with Ventile cotton um, a while ago and just would love to be able to make some garments um, out of that. Um, so that's on my list for sure. Um, but on a sort of wider level, um, I think since coming into... Uh, the manufacturing aspect of it, I've really realised that, number one, it's important to promote manufacturing in the UK to other businesses as well and say, you know, to encourage other people to to start doing it because that's the only way we're going to to bring it back to the UK in in the longer term. But also, I think, you know, this idea of rekindling um, skills that have been lost over the years. So I'm really keen to to try and um, promote uh skills among among young people to to do more sewing and things like that so i think in in the next uh few years i'd really like to focus on that as well i think we're probably in the cusp of history at the at the moment actually uh with the the older generation the the traditional craftspeople uh really now you know retiring and finishing their their working life and there's this big gap, I think, um, where, you know, the, the, the younger generation are missing an opportunity, financial as well as practical, to be honest. As you quite rightly say, uh, you, you know, get the British manufacturing industry up and running and flowing a little bit more and we'll, we'll hopefully uh, get our strength back again. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, in the long term, I think the UK is going to become a smaller and smaller market in terms of you know, if you think that China owns a lot of the factories, they own a lot of the raw material um, to make things. And, and they've got, you know, uh, over a billion people living in China. So our 61 million or however many people are in the UK is, is a very small and, and relatively insignificant market. So unless we really take it into our own hands and, and try and do our own thing with our manufacturing, uh, I don't think we've got a chance, really. The Outdoors Station is a free media entertainment service dedicated to the self-powered outdoors enthusiast. How how do you feel you would take that next step? Because I can feel that you're you, you know you're busy. Um, you're obviously making a, a great product, and uh, it is it is financially balancing your particular uh, manufacturing process at the moment. But the the next stage to be bigger and have more staff and more space for the staff and then more equipment for people to work with and then more commitment regarding your stock and uh, supply of materials is quite a big financial jump for any business. How do you think you're going to get there? Um, That's a really good question. (laughs) I think, um, I mean, I think it's going to take a, a fairly significant amount of investment um, I seem to have an ever-expanding wish list of things that I'd like to do uh, with track. Um, and yeah, all of those things are going to require money. Um, but my hope is that, that sort of it will be worthwhile. And, and by really, because, you know, we're starting a factory. Well, if we could start a factory 
today, uh, it seems silly to necessarily model it on the old uh, factory environment. We we have the benefit that there's lots of new technology available, which can uh, make things cheaper to produce, make them better quality. Um, so I'm hoping that when we do step into making making that step, that we're going to be able to use that technology to our advantage um, and really sort of make the system very efficient for us. And presumably a part of that is obviously the investment you've made into in the in the website. But are you finding there's there's an interest in the international market, in the sales and the consumers there for your products? Yeah, it's very strange, actually, because I think when I started Track, I was really saying, well, uh, you know, we started making a, a cycling uh, bag, uh, a messenger bag for cyclists. And I was really saying, well, no one's really doing this in the UK at the moment. There's a, a couple of people making bags here and there. But th- if you want to buy a messenger bag made in the UK, there isn't really an option for you at the moment. So I started making them. And I never really considered the fact that they would sell abroad. But today, I think we sell about 50% of all of the products that we sell go overseas to Asia or America, um, all sorts of places. Mm. And do you get feedback from the customers? Are you, are you sort of, um, do you follow through at all, have that sort of um, update of, of how the, the, the products are performing in their environment? Yeah, we're really lucky. We have great customers. Um, they're very... Uh, keen to give us their feedback and give us new ideas um they're always sending us uh, photos from their latest adventure um which is fantastic i mean we've got there's a couple of uh, there's a bag in antarctica at the moment that's being tested by um, a guy who works out there so he's um putting it through through its paces over there um we get photos from um, Japan and, and uh, all over the place. And, and with that comes obviously lots of feedback and lots of advice about how we can make the bag better in different environments and things like that, which we always, you know, we always listen to that feedback. Um, and because of the way that we're manufacturing at the moment, it's quite quick and easy for us to implement that feedback. Um, so if, the, if a bag design requires a, a slight tweak, uh, to make it a bit better, we can we can do that basically instantaneously. And I think that's probably one of the the, the strongest selling points of any uh, UK manufactured product is the fact that you can uh, adjust things on the fly. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's really good fun as well. Um, it's great to see the product develop at a, a quick rate like that. So you know, you came into I suppose the well, we say you came into the industry. Which industry are we talking about? Are we talking about manufacturing, or are we talking about outdoor industry specifically? When we say about the industry, what would what would you say? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I love the outdoor industry, and that's probably where my inspiration comes from. So I would probably say the outdoor industry, but I can appreciate that we really make uh, an outdoor lifestyle product. Um, Although, in fairness, I think most of the outdoor industry is making uh, lifestyle products at the moment. That's how they're making their money. Um, I think we're just maybe a bit more open about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, I was, what I was going to ask was, you, you know, you came to you came into, as you say, the outdoor industry then, uh, young at heart and uh, obviously with uh, at age as well from f- uh, finishing uh, college there, uh, deciding what you were going to do and how to progress. How, what, what are your reflections on when you've actually looked at the industry and then seen some of the key players and the general mentality? Um, do you find that they're a little bit, um, how can I put this politely, dinosaurs, stuck, sort of stuck in an older way of doing things, as you say, a traditional factory process mentality with the way they go about things? 
uh, or, or have you been surprised how um, young and, and refreshed the, the industry looks uh, as you came into it? Well, I think there's a lot of uh, young brands who are doing really amazing, amazing stuff and who are really, you know, maybe pioneering how the whole industry will progress in the next few years. Um, I think, you know, in the early days, I used to look at the big, big companies, the big names and think they were, yeah, dinosaurs or um, not able to really, you know, keep up or or they weren't trying hard enough to um to source their products or to to get them manufactured in a responsible way um but i had a really interesting conversation last year with um someone from berghaus and he was saying you know the difficulty is that that for me with my small workshop and my tiny team you know i'm sailing a dinghy basically a really nimble dinghy and i can make a turn very quickly but berghaus they're they're sailing an oil tanker at the moment and for them to turn around and change the way they manufacture things it's not uh it's not something they can do overnight so even if they'd like to it's going to take them 15 years to implement and i think maybe i was just a bit naive about the realities of of big companies making changes like that uh for example bringing their manufacturing back to the uk um it's easy to say but for them it's not particularly easy to do Mm. yeah i suppose it's a it's a very good point particularly when you're committed to a manufacturing um capacity in in an overseas country uh to suddenly change uh well design change design is one thing because you have to fit in with the, the the factory's manufacturing diary and process which can be 12 months to 18 months in advance um and as you say the actual financial penalty you might have to pay um to f- stop using one factory and start using another one or you have to have at least two factories running at the same time just to make sure the quality maintains the same yeah i think a lot of the big companies um, maybe would like to do better in in different ways um, but i think it's a lot harder for them especially because their whole business model really is built around the prices that they're getting uh, from overseas manufacture um, it's quite hard to sell to retail at a price that can be uh, accepted on the high street while making in the uk it's a you know it's a very difficult thing to do what about the the approach of the larger companies to technology and you uh, you know you said yourself about how technology uh, has moved on and therefore if you were starting a, a factory or a bigger factory rather than the way you are you would actually use that technology uh, as a way of um, shortcutting or improving the manufacturing process and keeping costs down or whatever. Um, because I, c- I can particularly remember when we came into the industry 10 years ago, um, obviously the internet was was gathering and going great guns and really starting to be at the future and there was going to be so many millions worth pounds worth of trade done on, on the internet. And certainly the larger outdoor companies were were holding up the 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 white cross of doom saying don't darken my door and uh, it's never going to happen and all this sort of thing but they've had to evolve with that now do you find in the last four or five years from your approach from where you're sitting when you've spoken to these people they are actually much more comfortable with the the developments in technology and manufacturing well i'll be the first to admit i'm not an expert on uh, all the different technology that is available but um, I do think that um, companies are using uh, new technologies, things like 3D printing or um, 
you know, laser cutting and, and things like this, uh, CNC design, I think is is definitely becoming more prominent, but maybe not necessarily on a, on a mass market high street appeal. I think companies do sort of laboratory style projects. They do one-offs and things like that um, to play with the technology, but it's not really being implemented on a larger scale at the moment. But I think for us as a, a smaller company, we, we're making smaller quantities as well. Um, technology could really be something that could help us to make really high quality, really fantastic products, but without um, needing uh, as much staff as might be needed um, if you were doing it in a traditional way. And talking of doing things in a traditional way, the the question earlier on about um, taking the company from where you are now to the next level uh, obviously it does need a, a serious financial investment. I've been listening to a few things uh, just recently where people have referred to the crowdfunding um, way of doing things uh, approach rather than going down the traditional loan and banks and and uh, business angels and that sort of thing. Is it something that you might consider as a, as a way of moving forward your products? Yeah, Kickstarter is, uh, you know, crowdsourcing and Kickstarter are fantastic and it's always really inspiring to go on there and have a look around and see what kind of things are getting funding um i wonder often often on kickstarter you see um you see people trying to get a product produced and i think in our case with us sort of talking about setting up maybe a larger manufacturing facility i don't know how much public interest that would get on kickstarter but then again um maybe it could be really interesting um, to put it up on there and see what people's reaction is like. Because uh, the Made in the UK movement is certainly really gaining momentum at the moment. So more and more people are interested. Um, it would certainly be something to consider. Yeah, yeah. I think there, there's certainly, like yourself, there's certainly a, an increased awareness and willingness to help in a small way um or of, of different people's projects and I'm, I'm i'm involved in one myself that um the the company has reached its target and actually overreached its target so much so that they were able to bring a range of products to market which is really fascinating to watch and also feel quite proud to be part of helping them grow you know yeah absolutely i think that that is another great thing about kickstarter is that you um it can really create a loyal customer base straight away you know people who are really behind you and, and want you to succeed um and i think that's as important you know for, for any business it's just having a load of people who really like your ideas <laughs> mm, yes well, it's, it's certainly makes you realize you've got a good idea after all um, yeah. um so so what about yourself then where where are we going now for the next 12 months with with uh, with track well, I mean, we literally, uh, our new website has just launched and um, it's been great to sort of get a lot of feedback from that. Um, and this year, uh, we've got some projects on the go. We've got some interesting um, bits and bobs, some collaborations coming up. Um, but just generally trying to um, increase our output so that we can, we can make more bags. Um, I'd like to get a duffel bag designed um, a lot of people keep asking for duffel bags um, and just sort of start expanding our range a little bit here and there um, it would be great if I could try and find some time to sit down and design anything but I seem to spend most of my time replying to emails and so, and so forth but um, 
yeah i think just i take i sort of take it as it comes at the moment and really um just try and make sure that we are looking after our existing customers uh, as well you know while we're growing so you're obviously going through 2014 as we as we well almost halfway through i suppose at the moment um feeling fairly buoyant about the uh, the next 12 months or, or further yeah, I'm really excited. I think a lot of things that I've been thinking about uh, for a couple of years now in terms of quality and in terms of the types of materials and uh, the types of things that I'd like to be doing with track have, have really fallen into place in the last few weeks. So I feel um, I feel really confident in, in the product that we make and people seem to love it. We get a lot of great feedback um, about the bags. So you know, if I could just continue doing that and continue to make people happy and continue to see bags out there um, all over the world being used for adventures on whatever scale that adventure might be, then that would be fantastic. If you've taken time to check out the track website, you'll see for yourself just how cool the presentation is, along with the love and the effort that goes into manufacturing the products and the detail concerned. My thanks to Alec for taking the time to chat to us. And of course, we wish him all the best in the future. Maybe we'll catch up with him a year or so's time and see where he is. Now, if you do have time to drop me that line I mentioned right at the very beginning uh, with your listening habits and uh, any topic desires and what you'd like to see or hear more of, that would be great. Info at theoutdoorstation.co.uk. So once again, folks, thanks for listening and take care out there. Bye for now. Since 2005, over 5 million people have listened to the Outdoor Station audio podcasts and over 1 million have watched the videos. You can subscribe to the Outdoor Station in numerous ways. Visit the website and select the link to your chosen social media network. The UK's only award-winning audio and video podcast service for the great outdoors.